into the service tonight. Let's open your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 15. I appreciate you coming tonight. And uh, rather than watch live stream, you're here and you got out in the rain. And uh, I appreciate you doing that. And uh, pray tonight will be uh, a help to you. Uh, we want to look at something tonight that gets the attention of heaven. And uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the chap Luke chapter 15. And uh, three lessons that Jesus teaches uh, that I pray is a beneficial and help to all of us tonight. And so, why don't we, we're going to read the first two verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get in the word tonight, all right? Luke chapter 15, verse number 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Father, I pray tonight that you would bless the preaching and study of your word and that it would be fruitful, helpful, that would accomplish something, Lord, tonight in, in everyone's hearts. Lord, I pray tonight that there is something said that everyone gleans a very important truth tonight, something that will help them in their ministry, in their relationship, their walk with you. And I pray, Father, that we would have the heart of Christ and be led of your Spirit. And I pray that you might have liberty tonight to do far more than what I could say. Lord, you, you allow your word to minister to every heart. And then I pray for our children in Kids Zone tonight, that you use Pastor Gill to minister to them in your word. And I pray for our teenagers this evening. Lord, they're involved in game time now. They're having a lot of fun. They're they're, uh, they're competing uh, for different things, and uh, we pray, God, that they have a safe and memorable time there. But, uh, Lord, as it gets into the Word tonight, open their heart to the Scriptures and uh, pour your truth in, and may you do what only you can do, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first two verses of Luke chapter 15 set up the remainder of the chapter. And through verse 32, Jesus delivers three parables, three heavenly stories, if you would, that have a spiritual truth, a spiritual application. And Luke chapter 15 is, obviously, it's remembered for these three parables that Jesus teaches. But it's verses 1 and 2 that sets everything up. And it, it is the reason why Jesus teaches these lessons to the crowd that has gathered around him. And these two verses are what separates Jesus Christ from all other religious authorities. And that is the fact that he came 
to seek and to save that which was lost. It says in verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Those would be the outcast of certainly the religious circles, okay? They would be in, in Judaism, they would be the outcast. The Pharisees obviously scorned them. They, they label sinners and publicans in their own category. But what I want you to see is that crowd was drawn to Jesus Christ. There was something about Jesus that they wanted to hear. Now the Pharisees and others always stayed out on the fringe. The Pharisees really wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They were always trying to find fault with him. There were others among the crowd. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They're, they're, they're standing on the fringe. They're listening to him preach. There's obviously something about this man. But the publicans and sinners who normally would stay away from those kind of uh, situations, they were drawn to Jesus. And so when, when he was around, they came to him because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And Jesus came in his own words. He came to call sinners to repentance. Now this upset the Pharisees and those in charge with the scriptures, the scribes. They began to murmur. They began to speak amongst themselves, complaining, This man receiveth sinners. This man eats with sinners. Who is this man? And so they found fault with Jesus because of the crowd that came to him. And let me make clear about this, okay? Jesus didn't go to the bar and drink beer or some kind of strong drink with the publicans and sinners. Are you with me? Jesus made himself available for them to come and speak with him, to come and hear him. So he didn't put himself at a place where he was above them, even though he was. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but he came to minister. And so he made himself available to such individuals. If you remember in John chapter 4, he purposely met the woman at the well. And her troubled past did not keep him from offering her living water. Others would have been, they would have been put off by her situation. They would have, they would have known her past and they would want to keep their distance Jesus made it a point to sit at the well and wait for her to show up because he had something to offer her if she was willing to receive it. And as a result of their conversation, she went back unto the people in John 4 and verse 29 and said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She recognized Jesus knew everything about her. 
All right? Lots of times I've heard people say, Preacher, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want me to come to church. Or you wouldn't want to associate with me. Well, if I'm like Jesus Christ, I'm here to help you. Are you with me? That, that should be the heart. Some people, they may know the history and the story, and they say, I don't want that person around. I, I, I don't want to deal with that. I, I know this in uh, my history of dealing with teenagers, my history of dealing with children. Children are going to break things. Amen? There's a verse in Proverbs that says, Where there is no oxen, the crib is clean. All right? That, that scripture has always spoken to my heart. Right? I mean, the barn will stay very clean if you put no animals in it. But if you got animals in there, you're going to be shoveling up some pretty nasty stuff. Amen? But then the scripture says there's much strength in the ox. You can't accomplish what needs to be done unless you have the oxen. So you have to decide, do I want a clean crib or do I want oxen? And anybody in his right mind who's a farmer wants strong, hefty ox to pull the plow, right? And, and so, I mean, children, they're going, to, they're going to mess stuff up. They're going to ride on the walls. You're going to find holes. You're going to find things broken. That stuff is going to happen. But let the children come. Amen? They're not always going to sit still in church. Sometimes they're going to get a little rowdy. They're going to make some noise. And some people may be distracting. But I'd rather have that mom and daddy have that kid in church than to stay home. Amen? And with teenagers, I mean, teenagers are going to come in. They're not going to be dressed right. They're not going to act exactly right. They're going to say some things that you wish that they wouldn't say. That's going to happen. They're going to make mistakes. They have to learn. But I'm going to tell you something. I would rather them be here than never show up. Amen? That is the truth. All right? Now... Publicans and sinners, they hear that Jesus is there, and they're, they're drawn to Jesus, and so they come, and they, they're, they're ready to listen to him. Now, the religious crowd are sitting back and saying, who does he think he is? He's sitting there with people that we would never associate with. And sometimes, we as believers become so sanctified that we never touch anybody. We're so set apart that we're never really influencing. All of, all of our friends are saved friends. All of our friends already go to church somewhere. We need to have some friends who don't know Jesus. We need to have some friends that don't know Jesus Christ. All right? Otherwise, we're not really ever going to make an impact. All right? So, so they're, they're, all, they're all tore up about this. Jesus developed relationships with Mary Magdalene, whom had seven devils cast out. Zacchaeus was chief of the publicans. And Matthew left his tax-collecting profession to become a follower and an apostle. He received 
and heard the blind, healed the blind, the deaf, the dumb, and the demon-possessed. He even received a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night quietly. And he delivered the great scripture in John 3, 16. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That is every lost individual, including ourselves. We were ungodly. And, and maybe we didn't commit a sin that some other people commit. But all of us who are guilty in one point is guilty of all. Amen? And so we all need salvation. We all need Jesus. Paul continues, he says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it doesn't mean we need to participate in things that we don't need to be participating in. But it does mean that we should be open and available to people who don't know Jesus Christ, who don't, who don't really know anything about the Word of God, who, who maybe blaspheme the name of God. They need grace and mercy, and they need someone who will receive them and deliver the truth. Jesus wants to draw all people into himself. The Pharisees only sought to draw those people most like them. I want to say that again. Jesus sought to draw all people unto himself. The Pharisees were only interested in drawing those people most like them. Jesus was happy to receive sinners while the Pharisees murmured. Jesus invited the children to come to him and grew displeased with his disciples who rebuked those who brought them. Sinners and children should always be welcome in every church. Amen? Every church. Jesus saw this opportunity as a teaching point. And so he's got the publicans, he's got the sinners, he's got the Pharisees, He's got the scribes, he's got the disciples, they're all gathered together. And Jesus begins to deliver three relatable lessons to define what truly brings joy in heaven. And the first one, in verses 3 through 7, is the parable of the lost sheep. Let's read it together. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, <coughs> he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. All right? Now, the truth is, none of us are shepherds. I don't think. None of us really have sheep. I don't know. Children may have sheep. I don't know. 
we, that's, that's, we're not used to that in our culture, okay? Jesus is speaking to something that's very important in their culture, all right? Now, amongst that crowd, I mean, the Pharisees would never, would never be a shepherd because shepherds were on the low side of the social ladder, all right? They were filthy and unclean. Matter of fact, they were considered by the Pharisees as ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. All right? They, uh, because sheep required constant care, they would not really have been able to obey the Sabbath like the Pharisees would want them to obey it. They, they would struggle with some things. And so Jesus is just thinking, you know, he, he's teaching this lesson. If you had a sheep, if you had a hundred sheep, all right, those, those would be your livelihood. That would be something valuable to you. It would be something important to you. You live with those sheep. You take care of those sheep. They, they, requ- they constantly require someone looking after them because it is very easy for them to wander away. It's, it's very easy for them to be attacked by predators because they can't defend themselves. They're not going to run away. They can't climb up a tree. They, there's a lot of issues there. And so he says, what man of you have something that important to you if you lost one of them? Would not take the 99 Make sure they're safe and secure. You don't just leave them to fend for themselves. They're safe and secure. They're taken care of. And now you go off and find that one lost sheep because it's valuable. It's so valuable that when you find it, all right, you take that sheep and he picks that sheep up. He's not going to lead it. He's not going to drive it. He takes that sheep and he puts it over on his shoulders And he carries that sheep all the way home. And Don, and when he gets it home, he gets his friends, his family, his neighbors. He brings it to the house. It's at night. They're finally there. And he says, why don't you come rejoice with me? I found my sheep. Amen. Can I get you to pray with something for me? I've lost my passport. And if I could find that, I would be very appreciative been looking for that thing and praying for it, and I can't find it anywhere. Now, if I find it, I'm going to be rejoicing, I'm going to tell you. But somewhere in the move, we've lost it. I found my old one, I can't find my current one. Now, here's the deal. That sheep mattered to him. Now, people are like sheep, all right? We, we have a tendency to get lost in the way. We have a tendency to wander off. Uh... One sheep could go in a direction he doesn't need to go, and all the other sheep follow. That's like us. We would never go there, but because they did, we go too. All right? We follow other individuals. And the shepherd is looking for us. He is seeking us out. And when he finds us, he takes care of us. All right? And Jesus is comparing that to this. He says, he says, just like 
just like that shepherd who has found his sheep and is calling people together and they're excited and they're happy, they're rejoicing. He says that there is joy in heaven. There is joy in heaven. Over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Heaven gets excited when a publican and sinner come to Jesus. Amen? Now, he offers the second one. He says in verse 8, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Now, there are some who believe that perhaps those ten pieces of silver would, was her dowry. All right? Those ten pieces of silver were very valuable to her. It was important. And if you got a lot of money, you're going you're gonna to still look for the money you've lost. Right? If you have very little money, you're going to look for the money you lost. Uh, I guess a couple of months ago now, somewhere, somewhere in Huntsville, I lost my debit card. And uh, I'd, stopped some, I'd stopped at the Wabaho and Lacey Springs and got gas. And uh, then I went to the Lowe's in Huntsville. And uh, I'd proceeded further and realized my debit card was not in my, in my wallet. Well, obviously, I'm pretty concerned. And the first thing I did was check my bank account. That's the first thing I did. The second thing I did was I called the gas station to see if somebody found it and turned it in. No such luck. And then I called the Lowe's and asked if somebody found it and turned it in. No. So I went to the Lowe's and I retraced my steps and I couldn't find it. And I went back to the gas station. I looked around the gas pump thinking somehow that was some miracle. It was not there. I went inside and asked them again. No. So I had to cancel the card and get a new one. All right? Now I'm going to tell you something. That's a card. But if you ever lose money, you're going to do everything you can to find it. Right? You're going to do everything you can to get access to it and find it. Well, this was important to her. It, it dropped. Okay? The money was lost. Somewhere she dropped it. Somewhere it, it, uh, it, it fell under something. She, the Bible says that she lit a candle. She began to sweep the house and seek diligently. She made every effort she could to find it. And if you, if you, really, if you want to make a spiritual application there, an individual can be lost the light of God will use the light of His Word to shine the truth, and the Holy Spirit will sweep our hearts until we are found. And when she found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. It's a great lesson. It's a great lesson all. Then he moves 
to what we call the parable of the prodigal son, but really it's the parable of the two sons. And he speaks of, it says in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. And he focuses the first part on the younger. And the younger of them, in verse 12, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not so many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And, went, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his feed, fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Now, this young man, I have no doubt, was raised right. But his heart was always wondering, what did the world have to offer? He was always drawn elsewhere. And now he is the younger son, but he's man enough to make his own decisions in life. And he wanted the inheritance from the father. And the father gave what was meant to go to this son. And he took that. And his mind and his heart was always somewhere else. I mean, I imagine that young man, if you picture today, he's in church. His daddy loves him. His daddy's treating him right, teaching him right. But even in church, that young man is always wondering what's out there, right? And after a time, he finally decides, Daddy, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go make my own way. And while he's making his own way, he makes poor decisions. And he uh, makes bad choices. He wastes his living on riotous living. And he, he thinks he's always got enough. But then, then it's time that uh, trouble comes, and trouble always finds its way, you know. There's always going to be an issue. Um, it says there that a mighty famine came in that land, and so you don't expect it, but now the economy tanks. Now you're hurting. Now you'd, suddenly your money's not worth anything. You've wasted most of it. He's now in want, and he joined a citizen of that country who could care less about him. The citizen sent him to his fields to feed swine, and the young man is so hungry, he would have filled his belly with the slop that he was feeding the pigs. Yet no man would give to him. It's a difficult place to be when you've reached a place in your life where you're dependent on someone giving you something. And so he come to himself, the Bible says, in verse 17. And he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, 
and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose in his humility, and he came to his Father. But when he was yet a great way off, his Father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck. And kissed him, just like any good father would. All right? His father saw him because he was looking for him. So he had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck. He kissed him. And the son said unto him, verse 21, Father, I've sinned against heaven in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, before he got to the point where he said, Make me as one of thy hired servants. The father interrupted him. And he said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, We're almost done, but let me say this about this son, all right? Darren, despite anyone's past and the mistakes that they have made, if they are wanting to get to Jesus, we ought to welcome with open arms. They've made mistakes. They've done things that they're ashamed of. Who am I to hold them down? Are you with me? Who am I to hold them down? If they're ready to get to the Father, praise the Lord. Let's have a party and let's let's rejoice. Amen? Always rejoice when somebody wants to come to the Lord. Never have the pharisaical spirit. Here they are again. I wonder what they're going to do this time. If they're ready to come to the Father, if they're ready to come to Jesus, let's welcome them. Amen? Don't be like the elder son. The elder son, his problem was not that the brother took his his daddy's money and went and spoiled it. That wasn't his problem. His problem wasn't that he wasted it on riotous living. His problem was he came back home. That was his problem. Let's read. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. 
And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. His problem was, daddy was happy that son returned home. That was his problem. A pharisaical attitude. Who are these publicans and sinners who gather around Jesus? Who is he? The father said to him in verse 31, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Heaven is always going to rejoice over a sinner who repents and comes to Jesus. Amen? So should the church. Right? So should every born-again believer. What gets heaven's attention is not the Pharisees who live this, this life so that they draw attention to themselves. Remember... Remember the publican and the Pharisee who were praying? And the publican, you know, he prayed. Uh, he couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He, and he was beating on him his chest. And, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Y'all remember that? But the Pharisee, he's praying with one eye open. And he's looking at James, and he's looking at Mark, and he's looking at John, and he's looking at Stephen. And he said, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like those guys. You know? I'm thankful I'm not those guys. I'm thankful that I don't do what they do. The Lord could care less about that prayer. Amen? He's interested in, in those individuals who come to Him and want to hear Him and see their life changed. You never know who God puts in your path. You never know how broken they are. Open your heart to them and give them Jesus. All right? That's it for tonight. Let's take, a, let's take some time together. You can pray there with one another. You can come to the altar and pray.